wouldn't it be nice if uh, life turned out like we planned it? If, you know, when you were, I'm sure we all had maybe thoughts of when we were, I don't know, 8 years old or 12 years old. I know that I kind of had imagined like, oh, when I'm 25 or 35, like this is kind of what life is going to be like. And wouldn't it be nice if life turned out how we planned it? Sometimes it's like, well, I could have never imagined my life being this good. But sometimes it's like, man, I would have never planned that these things would have happened in my life that were hard or difficult or uh, painful. But or wouldn't it be nice if a single day turned out exactly as you planned it? I'm sure none of you planned for the week that you had this week. Maybe there was good things unexpected, or maybe there was you know, hang-ups or difficulties or obstacles that happened that you didn't expect. Surely none of us planned for the year that we've had this year so far. And because things don't go as we plan for them to go, we can often feel out of control. And when we feel out of control, we can have stress and anxiety and worry, or we can feel frustration, we can feel anger, and we have we might have situations or people that are constantly in our mind because it's like this situation or this circumstance or this person is just out of my control, and so they're constantly on our minds. And while you were, we were singing, and while you are saying those words, you might have been saying them with your mouth, but perhaps your mind was in a totally different place on some situation at work or in your family or with a neighbor or something that you, your mind was there even though your mouth was saying the words. And even right now, maybe you're like, I'm trying to listen, but my mind keeps going to this thing that I'm going to have to deal with this week or that I've been dealing with the previous week or with this person that uh, I have on my mind. Maybe you're having a hard time with something you're frustrated with or worried about or stressed about. And so, you know, take a moment if you have the, the papers that Emma was handing out there, the little graphic that should look something like this, like it looks better than this, uh, that has like a tree on it. Um, and you can maybe write on the back if you have a piece of paper. But to, or think to yourself, uh, what's something right now that you're worried or stressed or anxious about? Uh, you're, you're just locking your mind. What's something you're worried, stressed, or anxious about? Or anything that you're frustrated and angry about because it's out of your control. Like you're just thinking about it a lot. You're worried about it. You're stressed about it. You're like, what am I going to do about this? Or you're frustrated by it. You're, it's on your mind. What are you worried, stressed, or anxious about? What do you keep thinking about? Maybe you wouldn't even put a feeling to it. Maybe you're just like, it's just, I keep thinking on this. You're like, trying to figure it out. How, what am I going to do about this? I need to fix this thing. What am I going to do with this? Maybe you're frustrated or angry. Because it's out of your... When we do something like that, Perhaps for some of you, you're like, how long do you have for me to write down all the things I'm worried or stressed about? And for some of you, you're maybe like, oh, I'm, nothing's really coming to mind. Um, but we're either way, uh, hopefully by the end of this, you can maybe start to get a, an idea of what am I worried or stressed or anxious about or frustrated about? We're, we're in our fifth week of a, a sermon series called Good News with an Exclamation Point. And we're, the series is focused on the gospel, and gospel means good news. It's the good news about uh, who God is and what he's done in Jesus Christ. Our world has changed, but who God is and what he's done and who we are because of who God is hasn't changed. And the, for the past three weeks, we've been focusing on our identity, 
how our identity changes when we surrender our lives to Jesus. When we trust in Jesus, we become beloved children of God the Father. When we trust in Jesus, we become sacrificially loved servants of God the Son because he has loved us and laid down his life for us. When we trust in Jesus, we become empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses telling other people of what Jesus has done for us. And this week we're starting a new theme in this series. We'll be going over um, something called the four G's. And some of you are familiar with this. Some of you are hearing it for the first time right now. And these are four truths about uh, who God is. And each of them start with a G. And they're each, and then they're followed by an implication of what that truth uh, would mean in your life. And so here they are. Uh, and I'll pass them out if somebody's willing. Got another thing. So somebody else can earn a prize. They're fake prizes. They're not real. Somebody want to? Somebody willing to pass these out? Oh, Sharon! Wow, look at that. Okay. So uh, the four G's are this: God is great, so I don't have to be in control. God is glorious, so I don't have to fear others. God is good, so I don't have to look for satisfaction elsewhere. God is gracious, so I don't have to prove myself. And think about the little fruit-to-root diagram, the tree we've been looking at. And the first part of it is telling us, okay, if you had this truth about who God is at the, the root of your tree, you know, God is great, or God is glorious, or God is good, or God is gracious, the second part is the fruit that would be growing on it. If I really believed this truth about God, the second part is the fruit that would be at the top of the tree. And today we're going to be focusing on God is great. And so if you have that sheet, the little fruit, the, uh, the little tree diagram, um, let's map this statement onto it. God is great, so I don't have to be in control. And we'll start on the left side, the, the sick, unhealthy tree, um, and we'll put it on there. Um, the, see, if the truth is that God is great, so I don't have to be in control, the opposite would be, well, God is not great, so I do have to be in control. If we don't believe God is great, we're going to try to be in control of everything in our lives. And so uh, if you look at the top, the number one, um, on that tree, you know, what are some of the bad fruit we might see if we're like, I don't believe God is great, and so I need to be in control. And like we talked about at the beginning, we often have a lot of stress or anxiety and worry and, and uh, frustration in our lives. There's situations that aren't going the way we want them to go, and we keep thinking about them. There's people doing things in our life that we, I don't want them to be doing that, and so we're stressed and anxious about it, and I want to control how they're doing it, and how do, how do I get them to do what I want them to do? How do I have control over their life? How do I get these kids to do what I want them to do? How do I get this person to do what I want them to do? How do I get this coworker to do what I want them to do? We want control. We want to try to figure out how to do it. We feel anxious about our jobs, our kids, our finances, and we, we worry, and we think about people, and pe- these things are always on our minds, and we're like, how am I going to make this go how I want it to go? We want control. And, and so what do we do when we're, what, do we, what are the actions we take? And you can maybe, you know, fill in the blank. If only this would happen, you know, if only blank would happen, then I wouldn't be stressed, anxious, worried, angry, overworked. Then I could relax and stop working. If only blank would happen, then, you know, I would be stress-free. If only blank would happen, then I wouldn't be anxious. If only blank would happen then I wouldn't be angry. If only blank would happen, then I could stop working so hard. It's that, it's that thing that if I'm, I'm just trying to do, get this thing to happen and then I could be stress-free. It's that thing we're trying to control. Or maybe on the other side, we have all these, you know, what if? You know, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And we're, we're scared because we don't have control over our circumstances or our environment or, our, or the world around us. 
And so all of this is this fruit, this worry, this anxiety, this um, distress of we don't have control over people or our world around us. And so what does this show that we believe about ourselves? It, well, we already said it shows, you know, so we're going down, we're seeing this, this fruit. So what does it show we believe about who we are, about uh, who I am? Well, it shows that, you know, I believe I am control, I'm in control, or I'm able to control things. So when we're, like, stressing or worrying or angry about things, we're thinking, like, oh, I'm able to control these things. I'm able to control people. Like, if I just did the right thing, if I just said the right thing to my kids, or if I just said the right thing to my coworker or my employee, or if I just said the right thing to my boss, I could get them to do this thing. Or if I you know, just did it the right way or said it the right way, or, you know, I could con- control my environment, or we get stressed about our circumstances, then we just sit there and think about it. And, and, or, we, or maybe the truth is I need to be in control, or I am responsible for this person's actions. And so we, we think about it a lot, and we think I need to do something about this. And the problem, though, is that we're experiencing a lack of control. It's that we think, I, you know, I'm in control, I need to be in control, and I'm responsible for this. And I, but what we're experiencing is a lack of control. We're seeing, well, I'm not in control. I desperately need to be in control, and I want to be in control. But, and that's where the stress and the anxiety is happening, is that we think, I, I need to be in control. But because we're seeing that we're not, there's all this worry and anxiety and anger and frustration. And the people in our circumstances aren't doing what we want them to do, and so we're feeling it. And it's disturbing our illusion of control. We, we never had it in the first place. And so we're, we keep fretting and stressing and are angry. You know, so when the, the, the control is lost, it's like, okay, all the dashboard, you know, all the lights on our dashboard are going off. Like, things aren't right, things are right. And so we worry and stress and are angry until things get back to how we want them to be. And, okay, I'm back in control. Things are good now. I can be, I don't have to be stressed. I don't have to be worried now things are back in control but it's just an illusion everything just went back we didn't actually bring it back into control it's just now things have aligned so that we have that illusion again that we that we're in control but it's just fake we never were in control to begin with it's just maybe things look like we are and and sometimes if it's a person you know we think like if i just do the right thing or say it the right way like i can get them to do what i want we think that we can get people to do things and why do we think that we need to be in control you know, going down, why do we want to be in control? Why do we take responsibility for other people or our circumstances or our environment? Like, I need to be in control of all of this. Well, it comes down to what we believe about God. It's because we don't think God's in control. Why do I need to be in control of all this stuff? It's because we don't think God's in control. If we're trying to control everything in our lives, including the people in our lives, what does it say we believe God's doing? Well, the two big options that I think are is that either it's um, God is doing nothing or God just doesn't care. God's doing nothing or God doesn't care. And when I'm stressed about something or I'm frustrated about something or someone, and I just take a moment to pause and think about what's going on here? Why am I so stressed about this situation? Or why am I so frustrated in this situation? Why am I so frustrated with this person? And what am I believing? Almost without fail, my answer is, well, I believe God's doing nothing. You know, I don't even see God at all. I don't think God's working in this situation at all. And you might be thinking, like, and this guy's a pastor? But it, we all experience frustration and stress in our lives. And it's like, man, I'm, don't even, I'm not even thinking about how God is involved in this situation. I just think he's doing nothing. And so I'm frustrated because 
I'm thinking if I just say the right thing or do the right thing, and this person isn't doing what I want, and so I'm trying to like figure out how could I get them or get this situation or get these circumstances to go the way I want them to go. Is, and it's like, oh, I'm not even looking for how God would be involved in this. I'm not even thinking about how God uh, would be doing something. I don't even think he's involved, and I'm thinking it's all up to me. I'm carrying the whole weight of this situation, and I'm responsible for fixing it. I'm responsible for fixing them. And so what does this reveal about who we believe that God is? For me, I usually believe that God is distant, that he's far away, he's nowhere to be found, he's off doing his own thing, he isn't near to me, he isn't around to help me in what I have going on in my life. And for many people, they put, we put God into two, one of two categories. Either we say God is not powerful or God is not caring. Maybe you find it easy to believe God is real and he's near and he cares, but he isn't powerful enough to handle your problems. If he was, there wouldn't be all these bad things happening in your life. It's like, sure, God cares, kind of like a friend cares, but you don't come and tell your friend expect your friend or somebody to handle all your problems because it's like, well, they might be able to listen to all your problems, but it's not like they're going to be able to take care of all your problems. In the same way God might be care to listen, he's not going to take care of all these things. That's why, you know, there's bad things happening in your life and the world, and God cares, but he can't really do anything about it. And so if he cares, but he isn't capable of helping, that means, you know, why bring, how is he going to take care of your problems? You, you need to be in control of your problems because God can't handle them. And the other option is that you believe God's powerful, but he isn't caring. Sure, he could do something, but he won't. He doesn't care about what's going on in your life. For whatever reason, maybe he's totally ignoring you. Maybe he has more important things to do. Maybe he just likes watching you suffer and struggle. Whatever it is, he could be doing something, but he isn't. And this is the classic problem of evil that philosophers talk about. They say either God is all-powerful but he's not good, or he's good and he's not all-powerful. Because if God was both all-powerful and good, he would eliminate all suffering and evil in the world. This is the problem of evil that philosophers talk about. And so what is true about God? Is he distant, not powerful, and uncaring? Does God do nothing? Is he uninvolved and unwilling to help in our lives? Is it all left up to us? Is it really that we are responsible for every single thing, all of our circumstances, and handling all of our problems. And so as we turn from this view of God, of like it's all up to us, and God's not caring, he's distant, and all this, we need to turn from this and believe what is true about God. And the good news for us today that we're looking at is that God is great. And this means God is big, and he's powerful, and he's in control. And someone who's great uh, knows what they're doing. They can handle even the most difficult of situations. And and the word that's often used to describe God is that he is sovereign, and meaning he is the supreme ruler over all things. He's the king over everything. He created everything, he sustains everything, keeps it in existence, and he rules over it. But even if God is big and powerful, that still doesn't tell us whether he cares about us, because we're so small, and he has this whole universe to run. You know, it could be like, you know, maybe imagining like a, your, your boss or a, 
a parent or something working in their office and they're like running this big company and it's like little old you knocking on the door like dad you know my my toy ran out of batteries or something it's like not now i've got a company to run and it's like is god like that like i've got a universe to run not now don't bother me with your issues is god are we so small that our problems are just beyond the scope of his concern so let's take a closer look at our scripture reading for today and this is a classic passage so matthew chapter 6 24 starting verse 24 it's a classic passage about anxiety in the context of this uh, jesus is talking to people about where their treasure is he's telling people you know don't accumulate treasure on earth but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven and then he has a statement in verse 24 he says no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and money And so if we love money, and money is our master, he says, we can't love God. You can't serve two masters. But then he goes on to talk about anxiety. So how do you know if money is your master? You're always anxious about it. How much you have, whether you have enough, how you can get more. You're worried about how to pay the bills, how to buy what you need, how to buy what you want. And so let's keep reading in verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus makes anxiety about a relationship with God as our Father. Look around, he says, at at creation. Look at the the flowers and the, the birds. Flowers and birds aren't worried and stressed, and God is providing for them. And he makes this argument from the smaller thing to the bigger thing he says look at look at these things that are the flowers they're here today and then they're thrown in the oven he's like aren't you more valuable than them look to your heavenly father if you're if you're his children you're more valuable than them so why do you have such little faith your heavenly father knows you need food drink and clothing seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and these will be added to you in other words Don't make money your master. Don't love money. Love God and make him your master. Put your faith in him to provide, not in money to provide. But what makes God able to provide in this way? That's where our God is great thing comes in. There, There are three words that describe God's greatness which make him able to provide in this way. These are theological words. They all start with the word omni, which just means all. 
And so the first is God is omnipresent. That means that just means that God is present everywhere. It means God is all present. He's present everywhere. So how can God take care of all the birds and all the flowers everywhere? How can we trust God to take care of us anywhere we go, wherever we go, each and every single one of us? Because he's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. He is great because he's present everywhere. And the second is God is omnipotent. That means God is all-powerful. God, how's God able to take care of all the birds and flowers? How is he able to do that? How does he have the resources to do that? How does he powerfulness to take care of every single bird and every single flower? How is he able to take care of anybody who takes care of him, all of us, all at the same time? How is he powerful enough to do that? It's because he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Nothing is too great for him. Nothing is beyond his capabilities. The third is that God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. How does God know what all the birds and flowers need? How does God know what each of us needs before we even ask? How does he know our needs better than all of us? How does he know everybody's needs? Not just, you know, my needs, but your needs. It's because he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. There's nothing that God doesn't know. And so God is great because he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, and he's omniscient. omniscient. He is present everywhere. He's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing. Matthew 6 tells us that God is great in these ways and that he uses his greatness to care for us. It's not just that, like, you know, I'm just too big and great, and so don't bother me. No, he uses his greatness to care for us. And many other passages say the same thing. For instance, 1 Peter 6-7 to says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty, so there's the greatness, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. So the mighty hand, the greatness, and then your anxieties, because he cares for you. But what about when bad things are happening in our life? Is God powerful, but not good? Is God good, but not powerful? Listen to what Romans 8, 28-29 says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And so he says, what do we know? We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so God is powerful enough to use all the bad in our life for good. He uses it to make us more like Jesus. He doesn't waste any of it. And we learned back when we went through Genesis, in Genesis 50:20, Joseph said to his brothers who had done terrible things to him, now Joseph has been hurt by his own family, and not just his own family, but other people who have you know, hurt him in terrible ways. But he says this to them, his family, as for you, you meant it evil. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And so even the bad and evil that happens against us, God is powerful enough to use that bad for good. And if we think that God doesn't care about evil or human suffering, we don't have to look any further than the cross. The Son of God took on flesh and entered into the human experience with all the pain and the heartache. And then he took on evil and suffering head-on. He went to the cross. And if you think about the cross, if you 
look at it, Jesus on the cross looks like foolishness, looks like weakness, it looks like defeat. It looks like God is nowhere to be found. It looks like just another event where human evil and suffering happens without God intervening, right? It just looks like a terrible thing. I mean, the Romans were crucifying people. That's how they took care of people that were uprising and breaking the law. Like, you know what we'll do? We'll take them and take their clothes off and we'll nail them on these things and so they're ashamed and nobody will ever want to mess with us again. And that's what it looks like is happening on the cross that, oh, this is just another example of human suffering where God isn't intervening. That's what it looks like on the outside to our human eyes. And God is letting it happen and doing nothing to stop it. But what is actually happening? What is the reality of what's actually happening? The reality is that Jesus' suffering and death on the cross was the accomplishment of God's plan and purposes. That's the reality. On the outside, it looks like God failing to stop human evil and suffering. But the reality is God's accomplishing our salvation. The reality is that God is in complete control and that God so loved the world that he gave his son to die for our sins. To humanize, the cross looks like God's failure and God out of control. But the cross is the fulfillment of God's glorious plan of glorious grace toward us. And so you think, what looks like and feels like defeat in your life where God just is nowhere to be found? This just feels like God is not even with me and his plan for my life is just off track. What makes you feel weak? Like, what the heck, God? Where are you at? What looks like foolishness? Just unnecessary pain, suffering, and disappointment in your life. God maybe is using that to accomplish his purposes in your life. If you'll humble yourself to them. God is working that out for your good to make you more like his son, Jesus. And so we come to... Who are we? What do we need to turn, repent of this, these li- the, the way we live of trying to be in control? What does all this show is true of us? The big idea that we're looking at today is God is great, so I don't have to be in control. But often we believe God is not great, so I have to be in control. We try to take God's place. We try to be omnipresent. We try to be omnipotent. We try to be omniscient. And we try to be present everywhere. But we're stressed, frustrated, and anxious because we can't be. We try running around to gain to maintain control, but we can't do it all. We can try to we can't try to control things by trying to be everywhere. Like, ah, oh, you know, I can't I can't do all the things I'm trying to do. We're but we're limited. We can't be everywhere, and we're frustrated that we're trying to do too many things to try and be in control of all the things happening in our life. We try to be all powerful. We want to be able to control what people do. If I just said the right thing or did the right thing or did it or said it in the right way, then then they would do this. We want to be able to plan things and for them to happen like we planned them. We want our circumstances to be how we want them to be, for them to be easy. We have no power over them, and so we're angry or worried or frustrated or stressed about it. Or we try to be all-knowing. We Maybe when you're when you feel out of control, you're like, I just need to know what's going to happen, or I need more knowledge, or you try to research something, or look things up on the internet, or ask people for advice. Like, if I just knew the right things, then I could get control of this situation, or I could get control of my kids, or at work, or, or my boss. It's like, oh, I just had all the right knowledge, then I could be in control. You search, you search out knowledge for a fix. If I just had the right answer, then I'd be in control, and we're stressed until we find it and look for it. And the truth we need to accept about ourselves is that you know, I am not omnipresent. I can't be present everywhere. I am not omnipotent. I'm not all-powerful. I'm not omniscient. I can't know everything. We need to accept that we are God. 
we also need to accept that, just say to ourselves, I am unable, and you can fill in the blank, I am unable to control people. I am unable to control my world and my circumstances. And maybe think, and we thought about in the beginning, what's that thing that you feel worried and anxious or stressed about? What's that thing that you are feeling angry or frustrated about? And think about that situation. What do you need to say that I am unable? Maybe there's a person you feel anxious or stressed about, or maybe there's a situation you just need to say, I am unable to control this. I am unable to control this person. I am unable to take responsibility for their emotions. I'm unable to take responsibility for the actions. I'm unable to control this. I'm unable to control my circumstances. We need to be able to say, I am limited and I am weak. I'm unable to do this. Like I can't, we can't, we couldn't control that we're living in a global pandemic this year. And if you think about it, we're in control of very little in life. And that's part of the point. God made us to need him and made us to need each other. Because what's also true is that we say, you know, I'm not alone. I've not been left alone without God. I'm, so we say, you know, all those truths we saw in Matthew 6 and these other passages that I'm cared for. I'm provided for. You know, I'm a beloved child of God. You know, I'm part of a community. I'm part of a family of faith. I'm part of a family. I'm watched over. I'm loved. I'm taken care of. Those are other truths we need to learn about ourselves. stop to check them out but we need to ask where's that feeling coming from where's that attitude coming from where's that behavior coming from why am i doing that why am i feeling that way why am i treating that person this way 
and or we settle for a surface level solution. We just think, well, I just need to do better. I just need to stop worrying. I just need to be less stressed. I just need to get over this. I need to just be less angry. I just need to be less controlling and overbearing. And we practice repentance just kind of at the fruit level, like, well, I'm stressed. Be less stressed. I'm worried. Be less worried. I'm angry. Be less angry. But we need to be like, no, there's something wrong in the engine and get down deep, deeper. And we need, we don't, we need to connect with God and our relationship with him at a heart level. And otherwise, we're just going to be like rubber bands snapping back into the, the old habits and attitudes we were doing before. We think about everything we were saying about, you know, those statements about, you know, I'm unable, I'm limited, I'm weak. Um, those are positions of humility. And there's this quote from this guy from a while ago, a long while ago, who said, uh, just as water ever seeks and fills the lowest place, so the moment God finds the creature base, which means humbled, and empty, will his glory and power flow in to exalt and to bless. He that humbleth himself, that must be our one care, shall be exalted. That is God's care. By his mighty power and his great love, he will do it. And so this image of, you know, water flows downhill. And so we often are like, you know, when we're trying to be in control, that's us being high. But when we humble ourselves, you know, I am weak and I am limited that's when we're getting low and God is great and he wants to lift us up with his power and his, his ability. And just as we, as we close, I want to pass these around again. And last week we talked about how the Spirit is sent as the first witness to us of what Jesus has done for us. And once you think, um, I think the four Gs, we're going to be going over one of these each of the following weeks. I think they're a really great way for us to help people in our lives, that we're empowered by the Spirit to be sent as witnesses. And it's a really easy way, um, you know, when you feel like, man, I'm stressed, I'm frustrated, I'm anxious, just stop and be like, okay, what am I trying to be in control of? God is great, so I don't have to be in control. I'm going to trust, I'm going to do what I need to do, but I can only be in control of myself. I'm going to leave it to God and leave it to them because they have things they need to do too. But... Do you know someone, do you know anyone in your life right now who's stressed, frustrated, anxious, or worried? Or this week, watch for people in your life who are stressed, frustrated, anxious, or worried. And how easy would it be to say, hey, you know, I heard something this week that was really helpful to me. Uh, would you mind if I shared it with you? And then you could take out one of these cards and be like, you know, there's, there's just a simple little thing about God. You know, God is great, so I don't have to be in control. And here's how it helped me. I felt really stressed about this thing in my life. And you're just being able to, that's what a testimony is, right? Being witnesses means we're testifying. Like, I was stressed about, you know, blank. And then, you know, here's the reason I was stressed about that. And I just learned this thing about God is great, so I don't have to be in control. I was trying to control this thing. And, you know, you seem really stressed about this thing. And, I just wanted to share this little card with you that I got at my church service this week or whatever. And so that's a way that we can testify about God and what he's doing in our lives. Um, so I'm going to pass these around again um, and maybe take one or two uh, and, and look this week thinking, oh, God, you know, open my eyes to someone who's stressed or worried or frustrated or anxious this week um, as you're going through the week and say, God, I want to give one of these out and encourage somebody and be a witness for you. So I'll pass these out and I'll 
I'll close in prayer um, for you and for us uh, as you take some of those. Father, thank you for the truth that you are great, that you are our Heavenly Father who is watching over us, that you are powerful enough to run this universe. That does not mean you're absent from our lives, that you, you care for us, you love us, and your heart goes out to us in our suffering. Um, and thank you for your care for us. Lord, would you open our eyes this week to people in our lives who are stressed, worried, anxious, frustrated, who are, are scared about what's happening around them? Would you allow us to be messengers, witnesses of your good news? And would you use us this week to be an encouragement um, to bring people towards you? To your son's name we pray. Amen.